at my leanest, I was at my least confident, uh, without a doubt, 100%. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella and today I am with the beautiful, the lovely, the adorable Maddie Moon. Maddie is the host of Mind Body Musings. She is a body image coach, as she likes to say, a former fitness model now gone sane. Hi Maddie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Maddie, why don't you spend a moment just giving everyone an overview of who you are before we deep dive into your story? Of course. So I have an experience in the fitness modeling industry, and it's been a few years now since I have partaken in that. And I now have the uh, Mind Body Music podcast where I talk a lot about body image and disordered eating and how I myself worked through those darker days of struggling with food and um, accepting my body. And so it's been such a privilege to be able to take on this role as being a body image and food coach and helping people just fully embrace and accept the way their body is and find that unique gift that they have to share with the world. And we have had a tiny peek into the fitness modeling world. We interviewed Dr. Sarah Solomon, who is amazing. And she was on the show and she was telling us a little bit about this psychosis that was required for her to exist in that world. But Maddie, you have a story that is uniquely your own. And I really want everyone to hear from you in that regard. I'd like you to walk us through it. But let me tell everybody why we're talking about this today. So the main reasons Maddie and I connect on multiple levels is because we are so passionate about sort of ending the mind games and ending the hell women and men are putting themselves through and ending this just focus that is draining so much of our life's energy because we are obsessed with food or we are obsessed with the way that we look or we are obsessed very oftentimes with the way that we don't look. We fill our lives with self-talk that is not leading us toward any of our goals that are important. And frankly, we're spending so much of our time and energy in this area of our lives. And we have better things to do, Maddie. That's my that's my philosophy. I'm, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yes, I love that. Better things to do for sure. We're going to touch on a few topics today. So we're going to touch on what disorder actually looks like. We will go beyond that as well and talk about the impact that that has on relationships and what that does to your confidence. And then we'll talk about what life maybe can look like and how to get there and what tweaks to make. So without further ado, Maddie, why don't you walk us through what life was like for you maybe two years ago, the the period before the Maddie Moon we know now? Okay, so I might even go a little bit farther back than that because <laughs> my story, I feel like, needs to be told kind of as a whole so you understand how these kind of thoughts got into my head in the first place. There are certain comments that I would love to share with your audience so that people can be more aware of the kind of comments that, you know, like the, the things that happens inside of a child's brain, anywhere between the ages of zero and 10, those are sometimes the most influential comments that can be made and they kind of help form your belief system. So 
and I don't share this on many podcasts because it is kind of a touchy subject, but as I was getting older, I was also the, the shortest in my, my big family. And, and there was, on my mom's side, there were lots and lots of family members and they're all girls and they're all blonde and they all have long legs and blue eyes. And um, I was the shortest and for a while I was the youngest. And I remember always like taking pictures with the big old family uh, for our reunions. And then everyone would, would, you know, comment on it and say, oh, you know, this picture, I look this way, or I look this way, or ew, let's take another one. And then I remember quite a few times, one of the male counterparts in the family would say something like, you girls are all legs. Well, except for you, Madeline, one day you'll, you'll have legs too. And, you know, they're all legs. So, you know, I'm the tiny one. And I, I locked that away. I stored that away later on, you know, older family members that were females would have certain beauty rituals that really influenced me as well. Like the old uh, suck in your abs at every red light trick, you know, or or doing this or that, the <laughs> tiny little like beauty hacks. Well, I'm a young influenced uh, child and I remember hearing about these things and being told that I should start sucking in now. That way I can get used to it later on. And so, you know, I'm second grade learning how to suck in so that whenever I'm older, I'll be used to it. And I'm, my ab muscles are instinct. So tiny little things like this. And trust me, these little recollections are not always in my head. It's taken a lot of researching and like soul searching and remembering to like come up with these and remember, oh yeah, that happened. That happened because I've really started to study how this psychology works with kids and family members. So fast forward, time goes on. I get into high school and I start realizing that I'm not the most popular kid. I'm in the marching band. I play clarinet. I'm, I'm totally invested in uh, academics and I didn't feel like this sense of control over my life at the same time. I wasn't accepted by my peers necessarily. I'm sure I was, but my perception is that I wasn't necessarily uh, the coolest kid. And I had a best friend that was a vegan and she introduced me to a documentary and I got really involved with the ethical side of the slaughterhouse industry and adopted a vegetarian lifestyle. And as I adopted this, these food choices, my weight started to come off, like fly off. And I did not need to be losing weight, but nonetheless, people were telling me, Madeline, you look great. You look really good. What are you doing to lose so much weight? And it felt really good. So I started to realize that cutting out a food group will result in weight loss. And I liked the comments. I liked that people were recognizing me. I felt special. So I took it a few steps further and I adopted a vegan lifestyle. And then I got my first gym membership. And then I started to use my OCD control mechanisms to latch on to um, this idea of perfectionism, which to me equaled weight loss and being small and skinny. And before I knew it, I was running seven to nine miles a day on the treadmill until I burned a thousand calories. And then I would go home and make sure that I ate less than I burned. And then the next day I would take it to the, the next level. It was a new standard. So yesterday I burned a thousand calories. Okay. Well today I'm going to burn a thousand and ten and I'm going to eat fewer calories than that. And so before I knew it, I was getting really obsessed with these numbers. It was a total number game. I stopped thinking about my body as intuitive and it started to be just a big math equation. And eventually I entered into college and discovered the world of bodybuilding and fitness modeling. And for some people in their minds, they can translate this as a wedding where they wanted to lose weight or going to the beach and getting the beach body. I'm sure everyone's had some kind of experience where an event is coming up where they want to lose weight because they feel like they need to. The magazine ads are telling them that that special occasion requires weight loss. So for me, being introduced to the fitness modeling industry, you know, it was like a big deal to me. I was like, wow. 
I set out to compete in my first fitness competition. And this was, this is where, you know, the, the climax starts to happen where I am approaching a very dangerous zone, a very dangerous zone, mentally, physically, emotionally. Taking you guys through this process, I signed up for my first fitness show and it was 18 weeks away. And I decided it was time for me to get a trainer or a diet coach to help me get my nutrition down because as we all know, it's nutrition. And I thought that the best way to start would be to manipulate my food choices. And this trainer gave me a meal plan of seven different foods and said, for the next 18 weeks, I want you to stick to this one meal plan and this only meal plan. Come back to me a week before your show, 17 weeks away, and then we'll adjust. So I was on this one meal plan for 18 weeks and missed my birthday, my 21st birthday. I missed out on date. I pretty much made my little tiny apartment my um, my only hangout zone. You know, no family time, no friend time. It was me and my kitchen and my one meal plan. That piece of paper was my, my ruler for a very long time. You know, it's kind of glorified in the fitness industry to make sacrifices. So I was like, yeah, I'm making sacrifices. I have a reason to feel self-righteous. I have no relationships. I'm giving up my period. I'll do anything for this. Never give up. You know, hashtag never give up, um, no excuses, whatever. I was totally buying into all of that. And my competition day finally came and I I didn't place exactly where I wanted to. And the judges gave me this card that had um, numbers circled from one to 10 on how good certain parts of my body were. So oh it'd be like- Oh my gosh. It'd be like symmetrical, like how symmetrical is this contestant? And, you know, I had like a four on a scale from one to 10, 10 is the best. And then it would be like boobs, like, you know, four, like my boobs even got ranked. And here I am doing like sprints every single day for 18 weeks and my boobs disappeared and I got counted off for that. Well, of course they were. And uh, then like glutes in your butt. And that was one part of my body that I, I you know, found some, some self-worth in. And then they took it away from me and they said, no that they're not good enough yet for. And the only thing that I got marked well on was my tan and my makeup, which I didn't even do myself. Someone else did it for me. So that felt really discouraging. And it wasn't an instant feeling where I was like, that doesn't feel good. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to go find my self-worth elsewhere. Instead, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not good enough. Well, I'll show you. I'll keep going. And the cycle continued until I did another show. And I'm sure we can dive into that rock bottom moment. I know I'm going on and on and on, but I did have a moment where things changed in my mind and I, I realized I was being the meanest person ever to myself. And I was diminishing and I was losing everything that was essentially important in life. Everything that makes life worth living was, I was not included in my life because I had no time for it. I was so scared. I had so much fear about not being accepted or not being in control of my life all the way back to that story when I was a kid where I thought when you don't feel in control, you need to act on it. Not feeling in control means take action, do something, control your weight. And so it took a long time to unlearn that. I don't know why that got stuck in my head so early on in my life, but it really did. And it took a lot of time away from the media and from 
people and from even some podcasts and, and going to other podcasts and trying to unlearn the habits that I had developed in my life to get out of this dangerous, dangerous cycle. But it's a long story and I just gave you the, the full out version of it. I think that that story is so useful on many levels, but let me tell you what I think is really key there. One is the messaging that you got, not just from your environment, but just from adults. We have no idea, or we might know intellectually, but it's so easy to forget in practical terms what we say, not necessarily even to our children, but in front of our children matters. Everyone probably has a story of an adult saying something to them. It's not, though, always about the adult eye to eye with you making a comment, right? Sometimes it's the adult making comments to one another and moms hating on their bodies or dads criticizing or anything of that nature. Kids are sponges. And I want to spend a moment in what that disorder really looked like for you in terms of your relationships and your confidence, because one of the articles that Maddie's written that was actually published in Mind Body Green was called, I had the perfect body and I still wasn't happy. And Maddie, one of the things that you did so well in that article is you articulate what it did to your relationships, what it did to your confidence and the way you viewed yourself. I mean, when you, when you can walk around with 0% body fat, I'm being facetious, but not really. And you should be feeling like a total sex on a stick, right? Like you should be feeling your absolute sexiest self. And how did you feel? Did you find that to be the case? Uh, complete opposite. There's so much to be said here. So I'm really glad we're covering this. You know, I'm going to say something that not everyone is going to admit, but I feel in my experience, I have realized everyone really, most people feel this way at my leanest. I was at my least confident uh, without a doubt, 100%. I mean, when I was at, and when you said 0% body fat, I I did get to 6.7% body fat. So I had adopted this lean, thin figure, you know, a figure that I could confidently quote, you know, a body that I should be able to confidently walk around in a uh, teeny tiny bikini. And people were, I would post pictures on my Instagram and social media and say, you know, no excuses, never quit working really hard today in the gym and in the kitchen, abs remain in the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. And lift up my shirt, show my abs. People would comment, wow, I want to look like that. What are you doing? How are you eating? Can you, can I hire you? Blah, blah, blah. And deep down I would post these pictures and then I would get a really quick sense of a really hot, a quick high, like, oh, that feels really good. People are complimenting me. Oh yeah. People are recognizing me. But then the comments would stop, you know, people's newsfeed would scroll down. They wouldn't see the picture anymore. And then I'd keep checking my phone, like anymore, anymore, like no. Okay. Well, uh, okay. Well, um, and then I'm, I'm left by myself again. You know, so I got these quick highs, but they were not long lasting. They were very fleeting. And my confidence would only peak when people told me how good I looked. But then the minute the comments stopped rolling in or the emails just stopped coming to my inbox, my confidence would be absolutely zero because it relied, it was conditional on other people's comments. My happiness was conditional on how people viewed me. And uh, in regards to my relationships, man, I had the toughest time doing anything with people. I mean, it was, I had this perfect body, but I had nowhere to take this perfect body for multiple reasons. First of all, I couldn't miss a meal. You cannot miss a meal or you cannot miscount your macros in this kind of world. And 
if I had someone that wanted to take me out on a date at seven o'clock, well, my perfectly portioned chicken and broccoli seven o'clock dinner is already pre-made sitting in my fridge. And I didn't want to miss it because what would happen if I didn't eat that perfectly portioned special meal? So the anxiety was so overpowering. I would say, I would text him back or call him back and say, no, thank you. Another time, maybe in four months after I'm done with this competition. So I had this body that I was literally chained to. And that that did not make me happy. It did not fulfill me. But yet I kept feeling like since I had this label of being a fitness girl or a fitness competitor, and I had all these Instagram followers that were waiting on my photos in my head. I thought they were in reality, no one cared, but because of those emotions, I was controlled by it. And, and another reason besides just the, the meals and the food, what you don't realize is first of all, the mental anxiety and turmoil of, Oh my gosh, I have to maintain this body. That's so stressful of thinking, just thinking that you have to maintain a body that you're not naturally adapting to. Like your body is saying, no, help me put on weight. I can't sleep. I don't have my period. I need body fat. I need body fat to live. Well, you're saying, no, sorry, that is so stressful. But also I was like bloated all the time. Yeah, maybe I was quote lean, but I always felt like I had a bulging belly. And for someone that cares so much about their appearance, feeling like they have a bulging belly will keep them inside with the doors locked, hiding under the covers because they don't feel confident because their body is not up to par in their mind. And so even when I was at 6% body fat, I would be crying because I thought I was huge or I thought I was fat and I thought people didn't really like me or I couldn't go out and hang out with friends because of the way that my my lower stomach looked. I was so attached to this image of perfection of like being lean all the time. I would rather stay indoors. I did dive into a relationship with a guy and he, oh, bless his heart. He definitely thought that the minute I got off of this uh, show prep, I would go back to being a normal person and have fun with him. So he stuck it out, you know, thinking that we could have a, a blooming relationship after this was over. But, you know, to be completely honest with you, I was so like gassy feeling all the time from the way I was eating um, that, you know, I, I was embarrassed to go to his place because I didn't know like how I would, if I had to go to the bathroom or like if I'd have to like run outside of his apartment, like go back inside and try to play it all cool. Like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, the beginning of a relationship is supposed to be romantic and, and fun. But here I am not being able to go over there because I just felt so like this, my digestion was so off and I couldn't really fix it. Like there's nothing I could do. And he would text me and be like, want to come over and uh, cook dinner? And I didn't trust him to cook my chicken without salt. So I'd be like, um, how about you cook yourself dinner? And I will bring over my Tupperware because I have some green beans and chicken to have tonight. And he'd be like, oh, okay, that's fine, I guess. And then I would come over with my little Tupperware and, and then eat it, you know, and he's eating like this delicious meal of chicken and like whatever. And it's like almost the same thing I'm having, but, but it was probably cooked with much more love and much more passion. And he's eating intuitively because it sounded good. Here I am eating structured and obsessed and I couldn't even eat something healthy that he was making because I just had no control over it. It all came back to control for me. You know, I felt like alone and I wouldn't even let him in. And 
people on the outside see me in this body and think, wow, like she's got this guy. Everything is good. Instagram shows it. She's she's like dedicated. I wish I had her willpower. But inside I was suffering. And in my relationships, I was it, it was doomed from the start because I was so extreme and I didn't allow this relationship to run its own course because that would require giving up control and finding the relationship in itself the most valuable part and not my body. And I was still finding my worth in my body. And when you are trying to control every aspect of that, what I'm hearing from you is the rest of the world becomes a very, very risky, dangerous place. (laughs) Yes. I felt like All of life was working against my plans for the perfect body. And let me flip that coin over, Maddie, because this is so, this is so important to catch the people who, who are like, well, I wish that was my problem. No, because every single one of you who hasn't let their husband touch them or their wife see them in a certain way or your partner like see you naked because you have to have the lights off, you're in the same boat that Maddie's describing. If you are living where you are your body and your body is you, then you are in this boat with Maddie. Does that make sense, Maddie? Do you know what I'm trying to say here? Maybe you can articulate it better than I am. Oh no, that makes so much sense. And to be completely honest, there were times where I would I would, I mean, there were times where I would look at my friends who were, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 pounds more than I was and be so jealous of their freedom with their body and how they, some of them were extremely confident with their relationships. And I wanted that so bad, but I felt trapped. And I feel like a lot of people, what, no, like regardless of your body type, people hold themselves back from experiencing real, true love out of the fear of rejection, the fear of control, fear of what, whatever it may be. But your body is a vehicle for experiencing life, not for experiencing worth. It is the place where you live so that you can go out and share your gift with the world, whether you are a a mother or you are a father or you are a teacher or you are a coach or a writer or an artist, our bodies are so, so freaking incredible because they give us a way to do that. They, they help right now. I'm using my body to get to my computer and be on this podcast with you so I can share my message. But today that's how I see my body. And I am 15 pounds more than I was when I stepped on that stage. But I'm so much more confident and happy. And I know that if I gained 15 pounds more than I am now, and I still had my my hormones were level, I was eating in a way that felt good. I was moving my body intuitively. I had my, my I was flourishing my relationship and I felt confident. All of those pieces come together no matter what my body shape is, it's worth it because now I'm living. And and that's my goal for all people. If, if someone is hiding away in their body because they don't feel like it's enough, well, let me tell you, if you're at 6% body fat, you're still, you still might hide away because you don't feel like you're enough. It doesn't, there's no like marker where it's like, okay, well, once you get to this level, then you're enough. And then you can feel confident walking around naked in your house dancing. It's, it doesn't work that way. And in your head, you might think that the minute you have these abs, like life opens up, that person has love. That person feels sexy and whatever they wear, you can have that today in this moment. You do not have to wait for anything. You don't have to wait for any 
measure of body fat or you don't have to wait for that perfect diet to finally become routine. You can have that sense of confidence and sexiness and satisfaction by just indulging in who you are as a person, not what you look like. Maddie, your body is for experiencing life, not for experiencing your worth. Brilliant. And to marry that up with, because, you know, let, let's be fair. We are both operating in a realm where we're trying to share tips too and, and healthy lifestyle tips and that sort of thing with people. And I never want anyone to be confused. So let me try to bring this all of together in a way that makes sense. Take what Maddie just said, which was just utterly brilliant. Replay it three times. <laughs> Say to yourself, your body, my body is for experiencing life, not for experiencing my worth, when you truly invest in that mindset, because it takes practice, it's a practice, 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 practice. And when you invest in that mindset, when you practice this positive self-worth and this mindset, then you start taking care of your body because it's serving you. You don't fixate on every single thing that you eat, drink, or do because it has to be a certain, because there's some dogma that you're trying to approach. It's a totally different frame of mind, isn't it? In which you approach your meals or your experiences, etc. Totally. I'm really glad you pointed this out because I often find this fine line, even in my own work of like wanting to help people get on track with a a routine that feels good for them or not a routine, just um, their intuition or just eating in a way that thrives them without having any kind of rules or boundaries. So the first step for this, if anyone is really resonating with this podcast, I want to, you know, I want to first advise people to have acceptance towards where they are in life, towards their body, towards their special gifts, towards their mind. Just have acceptance. We don't have to jump straight to love because that takes a while sometimes, but just having acceptance for where you are and being compassionate. And then the next part is taking out shame and guilt from the equation because shame and guilt will always keep you in the cycle of I need to change my body to get X, Y, and Z. So the next thing is just really zoning in on when, when you feel shame for when you eat a certain way or, or when you feel guilt because you didn't lose five pounds or whatever it may be, taking those out of the equations will help you to start living more intuitively. And that's what it all comes down to is living intuitively and intuitively could mean eating for various reasons. Some days you might eat for emotions. Some days you may eat for comfort. Some days you may eat a certain way because you know, it's going to fill you for that walk that you have later or that rock climbing session or the yoga session. And then you just start without shame. Things become so much more clear when your actions are based out of shame. Like they were for me through all those disordered eating days, through my competition days, everything was motivated by shame, which is what kept me in such a dark cycle. But the minute I started saying, okay, let's focus on love. I love my body. My, my food choices became more clear. I would eat things that were not quote clean. I still do. Um, I have no boundaries for when I'm allowed them, when I'm not allowed them. But I know for a fact that there are certain foods that make me feel really awesome. And I usually cycle through those foods routinely because I know I love a certain kind of breakfast. I love a certain kind of lunch. But whenever I don't feel like eating those things and I feel like eating something else because I am sad, I allow that too, because food is not just for fuel. Food is also for emotions. And when you don't have shame, then you won't continuously binge on those foods. 
I'm going to honor my body and I'm going to honor my emotions and eat this way because right now it's what I need. It might not be what I need tonight or tomorrow, but right now it is. You eat the meal, you move on. And then you, you, you just, you, you feel good in this, this sense of love and remembering the emotions that your mother put into it. Or, you know, everyone has a story with this, this kind of feeling like they want to eat something, but not sure if they should. But allowing yourself to do this will make all of your food choices so much easier because then you move on. You, you're not stuck in a cycle. You move on after that meal and then you you go eat whatever, you know, really fuels you on your day-to-day basis. And I certainly believe that there's a way of eating for all of us that just makes us feel really, really awesome. And for some people, they, they it makes them feel so awesome that they promote it to everywhere, every, like to everyone, everywhere they go. They're always talking about low carb, high carb, this or that, because it works for them but it might not work for you. It might not. And continuously chasing after other people's routines and what works for them, it's only going to keep you in that cycle because your body's saying, that's not what I want right now. I want something else. So it's really about tapping into the intuition, shame and guilt-free. Maddie, tell us how you actually help people. Where can people learn more about you and what you do? So my website is maddymoon.com and that's M-A-D-D-Y, not I-E, but M-A-D-D-Y, Maddie Moon. And over there, I do a lot of blog posts. I do a lot of podcasting where I just talk about body image and food. And the way that I really, I really love helping my clients and coaching people through these things is focusing on their whole life. I do not think that there's any there's no use of focusing on the food because it's never about the food. It's always about, and it's never about the, about the, the weight necessarily. It's about the other aspects of life that are driving you, you know, whether it's the emotion of shame because of an experience you had as a kid or guilt or a fear of a relationship or abandonment. So I would love people to come head on over and hear more about what I have to say about these body image and disordered eating and weight loss topics. And I even have a a book on my website um, called 10 Proven Steps for Ending Any Diet Obsession. And even if you don't have obsessions with dieting or weight loss, it's very useful because I include 10 of the the biggest ways that I have changed my life completely and just 10 ways that I have really discovered what my unique gift is and how I can start focusing on that instead of on diets because diets were taking up so much time and space and just fogging up my my mental space that I could use for other things. And that book is completely free on my site. So you'll see that on there. Yeah. So you can, in, in my uh, podcast is on iTunes. So in Stitcher and my site. So if you can hear me all around. <laughs> we'll make it very easy for everybody over at onairwithella.com, Maddie. And what I want to include in there is your one habit and your one resource. So tell us what one habit would you like us to try for one week? So my one habit would, oh man, some of these, I have so many, but I think the one habit that I would recommend people start trying is trying to eat a meal mindfully or intuitively once a week because it's it's a habit that definitely takes time and it's a little bit harder to just throw yourself into. So starting with once a week or one meal a day if you're brave but try to eat intuitively instead of going over to social media and seeing what other people are eating and trying to figure out your your macros, your perfect macros. Just 
See what is your body asking you for? And then just take time to eat it. Eat it mindfully, which means without television or any distractions, really sit in the moment and eat your meal intuitively. And then my one resource, the first thing that comes to mind is, um, I don't know if I can, you might have to bleep this out, but you are a badass. <laughs> it's one of the uh, best books I have ever read by Jen Sincero, and I highly recommend it. It doesn't really have anything to do with food. It really helps you to uh, tap into that power you have inside of you that maybe you've been neglecting for a while. And I personally read this when I was going through the the biggest stages of my life where I was deciding to make a change and starting to really move away from the dieting scene and invest in my, my, my unique worth and find it on the inside. And this book helped me tremendously. So you are a badass. I highly recommend it. It'll change your life. I have bought that book and I have gifted that book. (laughs) We will link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much. And no bleep required. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) So this is one of those podcasts that once it airs, I will go back and listen to it as I always do to make sure everything's okay. And then I will be going back to listen to it again. And here's why. This is such an interesting, we walk a fine line, don't we, Maddie? And I'm so... I want to be so careful and so respectful of the different journeys that every single listener is on. And I never want to be one of those places where you go and you get told what to do. The end of the day, the point isn't do this, do that to look like this or to look like that. The mission and the purpose here is to encourage everybody to start caring about themselves and seeing themselves with the potential that they were gifted and that they were just designed to be extraordinary. And the moment we take energy and put it into how fat we feel in our clothes or how unattractive we feel or how we can't eat this or we can't eat that or damn it, we did eat that and now we're a shameful person. So much of our life energy is going down that chute. So much of it. So I just challenge you, if you related to anything you heard Maddie say or anything you're hearing me say now, that you spend a little time in this space and really, really think about where you are on the spectrum and then go check out Maddie's stuff because she's awesome and tell me what you want to hear more of. Maddie, thank you so much for being on the show. Love, love having you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.